I'm Charlene Yennerfeld, and you're listening to About That Outdoor Job. Mushing, and that is a huge endurance sport. So either it works for you and you love it, or you don't, and it chews you up and spits you out. That's Anna Barrington, professional dog musher and co-owner of the kennel Sing Double Sled Dog Racing. Sometimes that's the attractive part, is mm-hmm. getting beat and battered and it's amazing to go through something like I did a rod. And that is her identical twin sister, Chrissy Barrington. And yes, she's also a pro dog musher and co-owns the kennel with her twin sister. Anna and Christy Barrington are pro dog mushers, annually racing the legendary thousand-mile Iditarod race in the wilds of Alaska. The twins own their own kennel, seeing double sled dog racing, with over 40 dogs. Anna and Christy are no strangers to caring for animals, cold winters, and exploring the outdoors. Uh, we grew up on a small farm, so I always I remember being in the barn with the um, the calves and chickens and stuff like that. Was helping out with animal chores. Yeah, and I remember like we would get fresh snowfall and we would just, Christy and I would follow each other, breaking trails, crawling on our hands and knees, pretending to be dogs, making trails everywhere around the yard. So it'd be this beautiful, pristine, white, fresh, beautiful snow. And then by nightfall, there'd be trails everywhere because we just tracked it all out. Uh, yeah, like Christy said, we've, we've had animals our entire lives and um, not just like an indoor house cat. There were animals that required you to go outside and ta- be taken care of, cows and horses, chickens, rabbits, things like that. Um, and it added a degree of difficulty. We grew up in northern Wisconsin, and we saw temperatures of 20 below at least every winter, if not colder. So there's taking care of animals in the winter, which added a degree of difficulty. Growing up in rural Wisconsin, what was your childhood like, Chrissy? It's like we liked school growing up, but every time it was not school, we we're like outside doing things. And we had free range in northern Wisconsin where we grew up. We had a quite a few acres and not many neighbors. It's a really tiny town too, so it was like. And our mom and dad were cool with us going out together. It's like, well, you have each other, so if somebody gets in trouble, you can go get help. So yeah, you guys can we can go down the, to the lake by ourselves, and we can go and you know, make forts in the woods by ourselves and that kind of thing. So because our mom and dad were comfortable with it, we didn't, we tried not to do stupid things, but um, it was just, we got a lot of fun, just experiences out being outside and we just became really comfortable with it. I can't help but comment on the free range childhood Anna and Chrissy's parents provided them with and the role it's played in their adventuring. I had a similar upbringing. I remember summer mornings, taking off with my bike and a packed lunch and some buddies. The only instructions my mom would give us? Return home for dinner time. I was given the space, the trust, the accountability to just go and explore and try things. My love of nature and adventuring took root on those summer days, and it spurred me into having bigger adventures in harsher conditions as I grew older. As a parent myself now, I know it's not easy to let go and trust your kiddos and the world they want to explore in. It's challenging for me, but I know the gift I'm giving them makes it worth every worry line I'm earning. You were gifted the freedom to explore the outdoors and have your own childhood adventures. What's one of the earliest winter adventures you remember having? 
I remember one time, I think we were like 10 or 11, our dad was watching the movie Jeremiah Johnson and we thought, oh, winter camping looks awesome. So we grabbed a tarp. It's February. Yeah, it's February. (laughs) Grabbed a tarp and uh, a couple of our our sleeping bags, which were not, they were Coleman sleeping bags that came from Walmart. They weren't cold weather, you know, these furry down, or not furry, but down bags and drugged them this into the woods dug a hole in the snow and as long as we can still see like the porch light or the barn light really okay you know we're far enough away if we look this way it's complete wilderness but if we need to get back there's the light and a couple times I remember waking up at night being cold number one and number two looking at the house and maybe you know our parents bedroom light being on looking outside wondering are they okay yeah (laughs) and that's not the only movie that planted the idea of winter adventures and dog mushing for Anna and Christy we watched the movie Iron Will. It came out around our birthday, and we got to go. Going to the movie theater was a big deal. Um, so we got to go see it in the theater. Like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And so we went home, and our pet dogs were our new sled dogs. So we would go and hike miles with them and break trails and that kind of stuff. We pretend they were our sled dogs. And I think that was our first, like, wow, this is really cool kind of thing. Yeah, we really got into it. Our border collie and our great Pyrenees turned into, like Anna said, huskies. <laughs> and we would pretend like one mile was the equivalent of 10 miles. And we would pick how far a checkpoint would be. And we'd bring little doggy snacks, milk bones and stuff with to snack the dogs and maybe un- unwrap a little something for ourselves to have at these checkpoints and uh-huh. and carry on. Like we were actually in a race and we'd, you know, pretend the whole, the whole thing. So that was our first attempt at it. But you didn't stop at pretend mushing with your border collie and great Pyrenees, did you? And then our neighbor had sled dogs and we ended up getting a job taking care of those sled dogs. So if she went to a race, there's ones that are left behind old dogs, young dogs. Um, you can't take them all. (laughs) So we get to take care of those dogs. And then we also, uh, found ourselves like, well, that was fun. You know, taking care of the dogs. Is there more we can do? And she's like, well, if you want to help me, run the dogs you can do that so we learned a lot from her um about putting on harnesses and the responsibilities where the dogs go on the lines the commands and everything like that so it was a really really good experience she was a good mentor for two young girls and also uh having a woman teach you these things she was really patient and and kind Mm -hmm. with with us learning and being really excited about it and taking on two girls at one time yeah (laughs) Anna, how important do you think it was to you that your neighbor, a woman, was one of your first mentors in mushing? Did that make mushing seem more attainable to you? I don't think that ever growing up, Christy and I looked at things that because a woman wasn't doing it meant I couldn't do it. We, I wanted to be a firefighter. I wanted to be in the military, you know, and we wanted to be dog mushers and things. I don't think that ever made us think, yeah, put a barrier to think, well, you can't do that because it's not a woman. And Anna and Chrissy did those things. After graduating from high school, the twins served in the Wisconsin Army National Guard. When they reached their expiration of term service, they decided to give university a go. We did a few semesters at University of Wisconsin River Falls, seeing if we could, we both thought we could find something to do in school with a career path there, but it just, I couldn't decide and I didn't know and I think it kind of felt the same. Yeah. (laughs) So then we 
kind of like, well, what do you want to do? And we wanted a job with dogs and that kind of thing. So then we ended up going, moving out to California and giving, um, you know, tourists rides with the sled dogs at a few different ski resorts. And that was a really recreationally beautiful place to be the got to run the dogs. And then the summertime we gave people horseback rides. So we're doing trail rides and taking uh, supplies out for hunters and things like that. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. We lived in a tent in, yeah. the, in the woods. It was great. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Just seasonally, just, okay. We move into a cabin with the dogs here. And then for the summer we move over here and set up the tent. So for, I think about, you know, two and a half years or something, that was great. But giving the people the rides was fun, but it just, we wanted to do more than just that. Just like, we want to camp out here and we want to go further and not do the same loop all the time and that kind of thing. And dog bushing is a really solitary sport, despite Anna and I traveling together. You're really by yourself. And as much fun as it was sharing this sport with tourists and people from all over, I didn't, I'm an introvert, so it was really a, a taxing part of the day to interact with that many people, and I just wanted to be out there with the dogs, and it wasn't just me and the dogs, it was me, <laughs> the dogs, and this family of four <laughs> every day on the same loop. You're spending your winters giving tourist dog sled tours in Lake Tahoe in California, and then guiding tourists on horseback through the Sierra Nevada mountains in the summer. How did you go from doing this to landing your first job handling dogs in Alaska? Well, the owner of the business needed to get some more dogs. So the idea was to go up to Alaska and get some more dogs. And I went along to handle the purchase dogs. And along the way met some really amazing idols. I uh, met Dee Dee Jonro and then uh, Dean Osmar. And Dean got to talking and he kind of casually made an offer. Like, I like the way you're, you know, with the dogs. He's like, would you be interested in handling and, you know, taking on a different kind of experience? I was like, yeah, this sounds great. And I said, well, it's kind of a a, a BOGO deal. Hey, I'm cutting in because if you're like me, the term BOGO deal might not be familiar to you. Basically, it's a sale promotion term that means two for the price of one. Okay, back to Chrissy. BOGO deal. I said, I have a twin and we, you know, travel and do everything together. And he's like, well, the more the merrier. So pretty much you said, yeah, sure. And it was easy to go back down to California, pack up everything we owned on our back because we were living in a tent and, and moved up to Alaska permanently right after that. Yeah, exactly. Just like anybody could have said, you know, oh, wow, moving up to Alaska, I've never, this is my first trip up here might be like, no. I want to take it slower. I'm not ready for something like that. But uh, Chris is like, oh, totally. And just going up there and just diving in completely was like not taking a risk because we were following our hearts. We knew like this, this felt right. But it was just, you know, to, to like I said, take that opportunity. You might not get another one like that. How did things start off when you arrived in Alaska handling Dean's dogs? Oh, we showed up in October. So it was just the the early training season. So we're on dry land carts. It's an ATV four wheeler. And, um, funny as it sounds, we were running the dogs on the beach. Uh, so we lived near, uh, and right there was the clam gulch area where we could do a 20 mile run with the dogs on the beach. So that's where it started out. And, you know, the snow started to fly. And I think the first sled run we did up there, we went out to the caribou Hills in Alaska and hooked up a few small teams on some pretty rough tundra and went out and had a good time. Um, and the first races of the season didn't start until January. And 
Um, Dean didn't have a huge kennel, but he had quite a few dogs, and there were dogs of different ranges of ability, ones that were just starting out and ones that had been doing quite a bit. And um, he's like, well, you guys are going to have to, you know, draw straws to see who gets to race first kind of thing, so uh, or figure it out kind of thing. So the first race of the year was like Jan- beginning of January, and Christy went to do the, um, the Connect 200 that year. Chrissy went on to race the Testament 100, where she placed second. Anna's first race was the Klondike 300, followed by a number of mid-distance races, and she placed eighth in the Tega 300. By the end of that winter in 2008, Anna and Chrissy were sure of one thing. Alaska is where they were going to live and run dogs. Chrissy first raced the Iditarod, the legendary long-distance dog race, in 2010. In 2019, she placed 16th overall. Anna raced her first Iditarod in 2012 after recovering from some injuries. And in 2019, she placed 17th right behind her twin sister. And this year, Anna pulled into Nome to finish the Iditarod just ahead of her sister, seeing the twins place 23rd and 24th respectively. After working with several veteran mushers, you establish your own kennel, seeing double sled dog racing in 2016. It's a competitive kennel. Can you live off this activity? The prize money for our race is tiny compared to the expense that we put into it. We work a seasonal job, so then the construction fits in perfect to when the dogs are at their lowest amount of demands is when we are working our hardest out in fields. So, um, the construction job, it goes from like mid-April through mid-October, and then um, we stop doing that. And then we rely heavily on sponsors that us through the rest of the winter. Can you talk us through what your work involves with the dogs and give us an idea of the actual workload you manage? So it builds. It starts small to where the dogs are maybe running three and four mile runs. And um, sometimes we have to run them super early in the morning or super late at night, depending on the temperatures and our and what we did at work. And so then their training miles build up from there. So they're going further and further, which takes longer. Each run takes longer and longer. Um, and then we start adding in camping trips on top of long runs. So it might be a 50-mile run with a four-hour rest and then another 50-mile run, which takes about... 15 mm-hmm. hours to, to do, not counting any of the chores when you're finished. So that takes about well, maybe 18 hours all said and done when you come back to a kennel of not just the dogs you had out on that run. Yeah, so then, then that progresses into maybe you'll do that a couple times, so you do that twice in a row. That turns into, you know, a 36-hour process. And then also there's the chores that go with that, repacking your sled, uh, just feeding yourself in uh-huh. there. Yeah, or sometimes, depending on our trail conditions around here, we'll have to load up the dogs and go train somewhere else. A lot of times we go up to Cantwell area, and that's like 75-mile drive or something like that. Um, so then we'll drive up there, and we'll do a whole camping series out there or something like that, and then come home and that. So, I mean, it's progressively more and more. It's like you're outside the whole day, and you're getting less sleep and that kind of thing. And you don't have, there's no like normalness of, you know, I go to bed at, you know, 10 PM and I get up at 6 AM. It's not really like that. It's, it gets totally distorted. Then you're approaching race and 
then you're kind of tapering the dogs up to that race, but then you're getting drops are due. You're going over your gear to make sure you have everything for your dogs and for yourself. So it's never, it's almost always pedal to the floor, except for right after the race, you can kind of rest a little bit and get ready for the next adventure. Yeah. And because they're animals, there's year round care and love that we give them. It's not like, Oh, at the end of the season, you go park your snowmobile. You could imagine that at that competitive level of dog mushing, the main thing getting these two excited is the races they get to take part in. But for Anna and Chrissy, that's not quite it. The dogs are always the driving force behind it. Their attitudes, their zest and love for life and for you, it's amazing what they're willing to do for you and... They love it. They love their job. And to go to work, love what they do, is just, it just gets you, it's intoxicating. It just gets you more excited for what, what you want to do. Yeah, very fulfilling and rewarding. And yeah, just with, you know, seeing how far dogs come with like, you know, you raise these puppies and then you, you train and then you find a leader and then you put together this group of dogs and it's just, to look back to see how far you came to get where you are and to to be lucky enough to do what we do and with the work we put in but it's just yeah definitely the dogs in dog sledding men and women compete against each other the first one to cross the finish line is the winner man or woman mary shields was the first woman to finish I did to Rod back in 1973, and that was the second year of the race. And in 1985, Libby Riddles was the first woman to win it. I asked Anna and Chrissy what they believe women brought to dog mushing that perhaps men don't. This is what they had to say. I think with a, being a woman dog driver, there's a different relationship with the dogs. I almost feel like there's a motherly aspect to the team and that maybe we're not willing to redline just long enough because of that caring instinct is Instead of it being like suck it up, go for it. Like a coach drill sergeant saying, yeah. do it, do it, do it. Right. You're like, well, I'm watching you do it. I know you can do it. You can do it. Kind of. It's just, yeah. Like, yeah, nurturing. that's it. That's I feel like, you know, and I'm maybe I'm making assumptions here, but I feel like I, a lot of the men drivers are a little bit more like drill sergeants and coaches and, Women are more like parents and teachers when it comes to driving a dog team. Part of the mission of the series Women in Outdoor Jobs is to share the stories and experiences of women like Anna and Chrissy, who've successfully made the outdoors their living so that women want to achieve that for themselves can benefit from their learnings and advice. What's some of the best advice you've received that's helped you succeed as professional dog mushers? Oh, I kind of like what Lance Mackey talked about. Well, he talked at Christie's rookie meeting and I did a rod and then she passed it on to me. But he had said, you know, be comfortable with being uncomfortable kind of thing. And, you know, put yourself in a challenging situation, but not a dangerous one. Is like just because that there's a snowstorm outside and the wind's blowing. That maybe go out and practice in that. You know, you would go out there and do something stupid, but put yourself out in it. So then you can be prepared for when that happens. So then just... I think Christy and I have really embraced with that feeling of just being comfortable with the uncomfortable. And, you know, it's like, yeah, it's cold or yeah, I'm tired or yeah, it's hard or anything like that, that how to in maybe a state of not panic, but you might have 
first reactions that you will process things better and deal with it because you're just comfortable with that. And what are the most important skills to have? Being able to handle situations on your own, being self-reliant um, and take care of all the, the little things that are thrown at you from you know butchering livestock to feed your animals. Not a, everybody would be okay with like, wow, it was kind of gross to do that. Um, I just, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And building, repairing a sled. Yeah. You, you, like you said, be becoming everything like that, but yeah, just, and just being ready and maintain that positive attitude that you can do it. Um, because your emotions and your energy is contagious to the dogs as theirs is to you too. Or if you start to get like, I can't do this and I don't like this and I'm not having fun. They feel that. So they kind of dial back how they're feeling like, well, we're kind of excited, but you're not excited. So I don't know how we should do this kind of thing. And you, you know, put yourself in a hole that way. So then just make positive can do attitude. And like Chrissy said, just taking things that are thrown at you because a lot of times you're on your own. Um, yeah embrace that. Chrissy, what advice would you give a woman interested in dog mushing? I think confidence is really important because like Anna mentioned earlier, your attitude really reflects on the dog. So if you're feeling uncertain, unsure, the dogs are going to question you. And when they start questioning you, they don't listen to you and then you're going to have problems. So just be confident. And like Anna said, you know, practice and put yourself in those, um, uh, experiences that might not be the, the most comfortable. And you, Anna? Just always try your best like that. And, um, you might fall short, even though you gave it your best, but, you know, bounce back and learn from those things and just, just always try your best because if you don't try your best, you might be like, well, what if I would have tried harder? What if that would have been better? It's like, just, just right up, right off the get go, always do your best that you can. And Anna also reminds us to look to the dogs for inspiration. You asked us about, you know, people who've given us good advice and role models and that kind of thing. But one of our greatest role models is the dogs. Their example of work ethic and love and dedication and everything is just very contagious. And they give you their everything. So you want to give them for everything. So they're one of the best role models. Is like Definitely, I think in our lives, those quiet teachers have been the dogs. A huge thank you to Anna and Chrissy for taking the time to talk with me. As we've learned, their days are already very packed, and yet they made time early one morning to have this conversation. Very much appreciated. You can find the twins on Instagram at seeingdoublesleddogracing and seeingdoublesleddogracing.com. Other resources are listed in our show notes. Thank you for listening. You can find About That Outdoor Job on Instagram, our website, and a number of podcast listening platforms. You can support our new podcasts by subscribing and leaving us a review. A review makes our podcast more visible so others can discover it as well. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Charlene Janerfeldt.